So while we have people still coming in, as you know, at New York Insight, most of you who've been here already know that we start by connecting with each other and try to connect with somebody that you've not met before and uh, say something about what you love. Go for it. That was a lot of energy. Wow. Because, you know, different groups have different volumes. That was a high volume. You guys are really, uh, you're at it. So it would be good to calm down. (laughs) So my name is Gina Sharp, for those of you whom I have not met. Is there anyone who's new to New York Insight? Hi. Hi. Are you all not in the other room because you've practiced before? Or is there someone who's not practiced at all and gotten or had instructions? Anyone? You've practiced. Everybody else over there too? Great. Okay, well, welcome. Where are you from? Oh, it's okay. <laughs> see, see what I mean? See what I mean about this energy in this room? This is really, you're not shy. This gentleman in the front. You're from New York in the neighborhood. And the gentleman behind, you're from Dallas. Are you living here or are you? I'm sorry? Yes, I live here now. You live here now. Well, welcome to New York. You've probably been here 20 years or something, right? No? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) How many? How many? Eight years. So you're you're a New Yorker now. Just like when you come through the doors of New York Insight, you're a member here. Anyone else over there? I saw a few hands. New York? New York, you're all New Yorkers. And there was somebody over in this area. You. New, York. New York. Europe, which part? Which? Central East. Central East, which country? No country flags. Sorry? No country flags. No country flags. No, Central East. Just Central Good for you. <laughs> Yay. Let's abolish all of them. That might be a really good step. Okay. All right, so we have a lot of energy in the room. So let's contemplate with that energy uh, one's intention for sitting. What brings you here? And what is your, what is your true heart's desire, the deepest desire that you have that brings you here to sit. And just notice that whatever uh, level of energy you have that it's beautiful that you can use that energy for the effort to practice and to awaken. And also underlying that energy is a beautiful heart. Whatever state or stage it's in, it's a beautiful heart. It's part of your legacy as the what the legacy that you receive as a as a human being 
And that's why in the suttas we are addressed as, O nobly born. So just notice that you are sitting here in your greatest nobility, practicing together. as part of the great neural net web of humanity. So welcome to the um, to those of you who were in the smaller room with Lanny, and I I hope you had a wonderful sit together. Uh, for those, I'm sure I haven't met you before, probably. So my name is Gina Sharp, and for those of you who have not met Lanny, this is Lanny Miller, who is a teacher here at New York Insight. So. Um, We have, uh, we have a few obligations to talk about uh, New York Insight before we move on to um, any questions or inquiries that you'd like to do tonight. Um, so the first thing is we have two volunteers and I know Sabina is one and who is the other? Lucy. Lucy. Sabina and Lucy. So just to thank them very much because um, they come early, they put the cushions and the chairs out, they see that uh, they're constantly looking to see if anything is needed in the room, they help with um, with the sound and just about anything else that's that's needed and so without our very endearing and endeared volunteers New York Insight would not be able to run, and it's incredibly generous of, of you to spend your time in that way and to offer the service that you do, so thank you. Where's Sabina? I didn't see her. Is she hiding? There she is. Thank you, Sabina. And uh, we have um, a few goings-on. Not too many. Uh, there's a Conscious Living, Conscious Working um, Extended Mindfulness Program, which starts on January 21st with with a 24th Sunday with a full day um, retreat. And for those of you who've been practicing for a while, who've not done any extended practice, it's a really wonderful way to discover what it would be like to literally be um, quiet and still for a whole day and it's a way of introducing you to uh, to longer term practice and you can you can actually do that day without doing the whole course the course is um, 
alternate Monday evenings starting February 1st, plus three full-day retreats. And it's taught by two of our, uh, our one teacher, George Pitagorsky, and he'll be uh, joined by Brian Simmons, who's a new teacher at New York Insight that we're very happy to have. Uh, and it's a way of learning how to take the practice into daily life. And so you'll not only have uh, the meetings here, but you'll get um, suggestions about ways in which you can work in between the times that the course meets. So the way we um, proceed at New York Insight in terms of support is we rely on support from you all to keep the center running. Uh, our registration fees for courses like George's and Brian's um, only, I think, cover about half of our expenses. And as you know, rent in New York City is quite something, isn't it? <laughs> so we, and we have, um, we have staff. I think I saw Dalila here. Dalila, are you here? No, she must have gone home. So the um, acting executive director, and we're in the midst of a search for an executive director. We're close. Um, so we have, we have a few expenses, and um, we, our, our teachers come, Lanny and I come, uh, without compensation from New York Insight. Uh, so we rely on the generosity of our students and wish not only for your generosity towards us, but your generosity in general, that you spend your life um, developing generosity is the deepest, one of my deepest wishes, because I often think of a world in which everyone is generous and what that would be like. That would be heaven. That would be absolute heaven. So uh, it's... It's no, generosity is known as the first parami, the first perfection of a Buddha of the, of the ten in the Theravadan tradition. Um, like other qualities such as renunciation and, and patience and truthfulness and integrity and wisdom and energy and um, loving kindness and um, equanimity. But generosity is the kind of Empress of the of the ten because it's the first and the foundational so we offer you the opportunity to be generous by uh, leaving those boxes that are in the front of the room for um, your consideration if you if you are so moved uh, whatever you leave will be shared by New York Insight and Lanny and I so thank you so much for your offerings Anything else you want to add, Lanny? No, you're good? Okay. So, um, so these evenings, as you know, these, these uh, third Tuesday evenings, thank you, great. I, this, this always feels like a, a barrier, but I can offer it to you. These evenings are, um, we reserve for your questions, which may or may not get answered, <laughs> but we certainly inquire into them and see if we can come to some understanding. Um, as you know, wisdom is, is uh, 
the first branch of the Eightfold Path, wise understanding or wise view and uh, wise intention. So hopefully the meditation practice is in the context of developing wisdom and developing an, a life of integrity. I'm so, um, I'm always so inspired by the fact that the path is not one where we kind of sit and cogitate about life's great questions, but that we, um, we vow to live in such a way that we discover um, something, something more profound about life than simply living on a superficial level where we're just looking for uh, sensual pleasures and um, ways of, of self-aggrandizement. So these, the spirit of these evenings is really um, to practice first together as part of the meditation path, of the, part of the path but also to begin to discover how we can live in a wise way, that the path is not, a, not one of um, so much of, of thinking about, but actually meeting life in a, in a way that is wise and kind and generous. So I don't know why I'm going on, but anyway. If you have questions or comments, and, and I'd like to start with questions about actual practice, if if you have any, and to know that even if you've this is your first time at New York Insider, the very first time of, of practicing, that it's perfectly fine to ask whatever questions are coming up for you, because you can bet that whatever is coming up for you is coming up for somebody else in the room. So it's a it's a generous gesture to share your questions. Hi. So, uh, Mike will come to you, and if you could tell me your name first. Hi, thanks. Uh, my name is Neil. Um, my question is, um, you know, this I had an emotional night last night, and uh, I was walking to work today, and, you know, just trying not to think about all the stuff that I was up about last night. And, you know, I just, I kind of got in the back of my head and just, tried to watch myself today and I had a good day of concentration I haven't had in a long time and I noticed like my my brain almost feels like it's tingling and moving around today and um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering you know is that you know as you meditate does it you know they say it kind of changes your brain and things like that is, uh, is that just something that's just happening coincidentally or because I, I feel in a different place today just like I, I can't tell if I'm holding on like, you know, everybody says, let go. I can't tell, you know, I'm all goofy, but I'm not all goofy. I'm kind of contemplative. Put, your, put the mic closer to Oh, me. sorry. I'm kind of contemplative. And um, I have a certain level of peacefulness. Um, and uh, I just can't tell if I'm holding on, you know, by like controlling my mind or I'm just meditating throughout the day and just, you know, being behind my mind and just watching it. So... Just something I was wondering today as I went through the day. So you want me to kind of figure out whether you're, whether you're actually meditating or not. Right? I know, and I am in my head way too much on things, I know. Well, so, and I'm trying not to be, because so it's a curse. So let's do some inquiry together. Yeah. So first of all, how long have you been practicing? I've been, pr I'm, 
I practice meditation on and off, I would say, for about a year. For about a year. Yeah, I, I do a lot in the middle of the night when I wake up. Mm-hmm. And you, so you wake up in the middle of the night and practice? I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll sit sometimes and just sit still and mm-hmm. let come whatever And comes. how long do you sit for? It could be 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And do you ever sit longer than that? Um, there's been a couple of nights where I've sat for an hour or two. Oh, yeah. And how come? What, what happens that brings you to that place where it's possible to sit for an hour or two? Um, just to kind of talk to God. And what does he say? <laughs> what does she say? Yeah. Um, sometimes a lot. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, and I, I, I'm in my head a lot. So I wonder if I make it up or mm. honestly. What do you think? I think a couple of times I've actually asked and gotten an answer right back. Beautiful. Yeah. And where do you think that answer comes from? I don't know, some, um, within? From within. Something, That's beautiful. Yeah. And when you say within, is there an actual within and a without? And is that within separate from what is without? I don't know. What do you think? Well, no, not what do you think, what do you feel? <sighs> so you're feeling something now, I know. Just not knowing? Just not knowing. Yeah. How does that feel? And where do you feel it? Here. In, and you're pointing to your heart. In my chest, yeah. Your chest. And how does your heart feel? I don't know if I feel my heart a lot, you know? Mm. People what ask you? me, how do you feel about something? And many times I'm like, I don't know how I feel. But I've, I get the feeling pardon the word, that you're feeling something deeply right now. Are you? Do you know what that is? No. Honestly. Sadness, a little bit of sadness. Oh, okay. And how is that for you? I kind of came out of it a little bit. Um, Sorry? I came out of it a little bit. That's that's okay. Um, You can stay in it. Yeah. Sometimes it's really helpful to stay right with it. It just feels sad to not know what what to do. Is there an urgency about doing something? Um, not, not by those watching me, they would think no. Not by what? Those watching me, they would think no. I've they been sitting think... for a long time. Okay. But you feel an urgency. No, I don't, but I think, um, you know, sometimes other things move on while you're waiting. And isn't that okay? Um, 
Not if it's your family. Not if your family. Why is that? Um, I, it's a long story. Well, maybe it's because we have some kind of attachment to particular relationships, and I'm not putting any kind of positive no, or negative true. spin on that. Right? That's true. So we have an attachment. So can you feel the depth of the attachment? And can you feel the reverberations of the attachment? Yeah. And how do they feel? It's like a wanting. A wanting. And is that pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? It's a little unpleasant at times. Okay. It's a little too much wanting. So can you stay with that, just stay with the unpleasantness of the wanting, for just for a moment. You don't have to like, you know, swallow it whole. Just taste a tiny bit of that unpleasantness and that wanting. And stay with it, and then tell me how that feels. feels a little possessive. Mm -hmm. And is it possible to let it come and go? Or do you feel as if you have to hold to that possessiveness and that wanting? I can let it go at times. And what does that mean? It feels like not caring. Okay. So there is an identity. You're identifying the wanting with caring, yes? They feel conjoined. Yeah? The wanting feels like me wanting to connect, and the not caring feels like me being apathetic, or just not caring. Ah, okay. So just notice how um, feeling not not needing a particular outcome, how that may feel like indifference or apathy, and yet it may be the very thing that gives you some freedom. So that you can offer, in any relationship, you can offer the care, and you can offer even the wanting. but you can offer it without the need for something back. You can offer it without the need for things to turn out in a particular way. Because it's not the wanting or the caring that creates suffering, but the actually needing for it to manifest in a particular way, back. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand the suffering part, yeah. The what? I the understand the suffering part. The suffering part yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I do. So, you know, our practice is fierce. It's really, really fierce. And it, it's fierce in the sense that it demands wisdom from us. And that wisdom 
is not something that is necessarily readily available because our habits are not necessarily wise but there are habits mm -hmm. so that we keep we you know what Einstein said about insanity being trying to do the same thing over and over and over again and get a different result right yeah oh yeah so, so that we do that and the pra and, and being introduced to this practice and being introduced to this to another way of seeing or another way of being say in a relationship demands a kind of rigorous understanding of what causes suffering and what uh, what brings freedom right but the difficult part is that it may not be an instant recognition or an instant realization because those habits have taken an awfully long time to establish and so the amount of resistance to breaking those habits is about the same depth as the amount of time it's taken to form them right mm -hmm. so are only so we we feel kind of bound up right because we don't know where to turn because we want an instant um resolution especially when we're in pain or we're in suffering we really want this to resolve itself and we want it to be fixed right now but in fact it can't be fixed right now because it demands another way of being another way of relating another way of seeing and that develops over time so it's beautiful that you're practicing and that your your practice is giving you some relief and what it's also calling you to do is to understand deeply as you sit there feeling the suffering feeling the sadness some ability, our practice gives us some ability to be deeply aware and to be aware in such a way that we begin to understand the connection between the habit and the suffering. And that sometimes we even think it's a good habit. <laughs> and yet, if it causes suffering, it's not yeah. a quote, good habit, right? So what to do? It's, you know, it's the conundrum, because there you are, suffering. Well, what the practice points us to is to be completely with, with, uh, with that suffering. Because that's how we begin to learn. That's how we begin to see the connection between suffering and its cause. And sometimes also as we stay with it, we begin to notice that it's not a block of suffering that's like just we're just suffering and there's nothing else so we may be suffering here in our heart but there may be the sound of a bird or a beautiful sunrise or a crisp cold morning that is beautiful where we really appreciate being alive and the two can be juxtaposed the two understandings of the, the beauty and the mystery of life 
and the suffering that's, that's caused by our own um, attachment to wanting things to be a particular way. And the, um, the talent or the ability to be with things just as they are, even though they may not be how we want them to be or what we want them to be, is the beginning of the extricating ourselves from the suffering so that some wisdom can appear. So the sadness is not a bad thing. The sadness is a kind of signal that there's something that's happened and that's not how we want it to be. And the suffering comes not from the sadness about that, but from the holding on to wanting it to be a particular way. Do you understand? And we don't know how long the suffering is, you know. We don't know how long the sadness is. But what we do know is that we're not alone. That when we're born into a human body, this is what we have to cope with. And yet it can be a beautiful journey out of that suffering, however long it takes. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Sorry. What does that mean? It comes and goes. It's uh, it's been a long journey. I've learned yeah. I've learned a lot, um, but I've um, I've walked away from a lot of things. You've walked away from a lot of things. Yeah, and other people don't understand it. You know, mm-hmm. they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. Sounds like a, quite a journey you're on right now. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone. How many people right now are dealing How many people right now are dealing with the loss of a precious relationship or um, the loss of something that we really wanted that we couldn't have? Yeah. Yeah. You're not alone. May your practice deepen and give you comfort. Uche, just a moment. Please don't address him. Hey, I'm uh, Uche, U-C-H-E. Yeah, my uh, question is, um, I notice when I meditate, and right now my eyes feel like tightness, like right here. And, um, you know, maybe I'm grasping too much or, you know, trying to control everything too much. But, um, and during when I was meditating, I was telling myself, soften, you know, like soften, soften. I imagine puppies, you know, to help me feel like just to let go and soften this part right here. But um, I don't know, like it happened back in um, June, July, this, those 
sensations of like this tightness like by my forehead and eyes and um it comes and goes so so i guess pretty much um i mean i'm very ambitious as a person and i like to control things and so i think it's the universe telling me to um to let go or to surrender and it's uh it's hard i mean it's hard some days i can do it like okay i plant my seeds let it manifest by itself but some days it's like i think that things got to happen <laughs> you know things have to happen so so yeah um so what's the question i guess the question is um What do you recommend? For what? To help me ease this, I don't know, these, this um, clenching like right in my forehead and like in my eyes. It's because sometimes I think I'm full too or I don't know. Sometimes you think you're forcing too much. What about the other times? I'm at ease the other times. Or and so your forehead isn't clenching? No. Oh, so there's a connection. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a connection between the tightness in your forehead and the actual clenching that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I do feel the clenching, you know, I do a body scan like you recommended to me. And I um You do a what? A body scan. Mm hmm And um I f Okay. So so what I'm hearing is um a kind of you have a project, right? You've made a project of this. And one of the wonderful things about practice is that when things arise, whether they're pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral is that if we're, if we're really sincere and um, sincere about our practice, what we're, what, instead of going to fix it, we're curious about it. And, and maybe in the curiosity, something else happens. It's kind of magic that way, but it's not really magic, right? So, so if we're noticing that when I'm sitting, my forehead is clenching, then what's that about? What's that about? And it's not just what's that about, but does that happen in any other part of my life? Does it happen in any other part of your life? Yeah, when I read sometimes. I noticed that. Okay. Uh -huh. So what do those two things have in common? I'm trying too hard. You're trying too hard. Mm. So there's a beautiful teaching um, that the Buddha gave, as you, as you may know, one of the steps in, in the, one of the aspects of the meditative branch of the Eightfold Path 
is um, right effort. Thank you. Okay, we're done. <laughs> so, do you want me to tell you the story? Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So, so the Buddha is one of the Buddha's um, uh, disciples. Do you remember his name, Lanny? About right effort. Yeah. The the the, the uh, guy who played the guitar, the lute lute player. Yeah. I've forgotten his name. Anyway, he he joined the Buddha. He he joined. He was a lute player, and he joined the Buddha's um, monastery or monastic order. And he was doing walking meditation, which I noticed not a lot of people like to do. I love to do it, but anyway, so did he. He loved to do walking meditation. And he, but he was doing so much of it that his feet were getting all sore and cut up because, of course, in those days we didn't have you know asphalt roads and things. So he was walking on the rocky roads doing his walking meditation, and his sister was very concerned about him. And she went to the Buddha and said, "You know, he's just he's just destroying his his feet. They you know they 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 always have to be bandaged and they're bleeding and they're sore and all of that. And you know, please tell him to stop." So the Buddha called him and said, um, "Your sister is concerned about you. So tell me, um, what did you do before you joined the monastic order?" And he said, I, why, I was a lute player, otherwise known as a guitar player in our day. And the Buddha said, so tell me, when you, um, when you tuned your guitar, your, your lute, if the strings were too loose, could they make music? And he said, why no, sir, they, the strings needed to be... Um, uh, strung in such a way that it would make music, and if it was too loose, it wouldn't. So then what would happen if you made the strings too tight? And he said, well, they would break. And he said, well, could you make music then? And he said, no. He said, so what was it that, that was needed by you as a lute player in terms of tuning your, your lute to, to bring music, to evoke music from your instrument? And he said, why well, it needed to be tuned just right, neither too loose nor too tight. And the Buddha said, there you go. So right effort is what's needed in anything, not just in playing your lute to make music, but in practicing in such a way that the equivalent of music comes from your practice in your life. So if you, if, so your, your body is a really beautiful instrument in telling you whether or not your strings are too loose or too tight. So if you feel as if you're getting a headache and you're too tight, it means that you're, you're, you're bearing down probably. Unless there's something actually physically wrong, which you may want to check out. Oh, no. Well, you know, you always have to think about that. Or if you're, but at the same time, if you then relax too much, then your practice probably won't develop. So all of us are, we're constantly working to see what's the right amount of, of practice that we can do? What's the right 
Um, what's the right amount of effort that we must make? What, what is balance? And what's beautiful about Buddhist practice and, and Buddhist teachings is that we're, co- we're constantly being pointed to the middle way, right? Neither too much nor too little, just right, just enough. And, and you know, and then our tendency is to say, okay, so I'm going to get that balance and I'm going to stay at that balance, right? And guess what happens then, right? We start to tighten up again. So if you've ever been in a headstand in yoga, and I can tell that you're a yoga student, you know, right, that you get into into the pose and you have balance. And then what happens? The balance starts to go off. So if it goes to the right, your body, you bring it to the left. And if it goes to the left, you bring it to the right. And if it goes forward, you bring it back. And if it goes back, you bring it forward. So you're constantly coming back to the middle. So that, it, so that we're not deluding ourselves into thinking, oh, once I have this figured out, it's done. But that we're gently, constantly moving things to the middle. And I don't know how many of you are fans of Madam Secretary, that TV show. TV show, but they had a whole thing on the middle way this, you know, this uh, last Sunday. Um, so, so that it, that's I think I'm very much inspired all the time about the fact that that's what we're practicing, and that therefore it's a constant practice. It's not static because life isn't static, and we're not static, that nothing's static, it's always moving. So if you, so you're blessed in a way with your head getting tight, because it's giving you a whole opening for examining how you practice. Thank you. You're very welcome. Over here. Hi, uh, Hi, my name is Caroline. Um, I admit I'm sometimes, well, actually I am puzzled whenever someone says, stay with it, stay with the feeling. Um, I'm not ever quite, well, so in my case, let's say um, I, I start to feel the whisper of fear, and it's got in right now. It's at the point where I can identify and tell myself that okay, it's level three, and I've been telling myself some story, and I've been told that you need to cut the story but stay with the feeling. And yet, um, a part of this is like I'm like okay, level three. I don't want it to escalate up to level 10, and I just look to distract myself with some other activity. And yet, the next thing I feel is that then there's a different fear, there's a frantic quality to try to distract myself so that I don't, I don't push level three to level 10, and it all gets very confusing, you know. I, I, I don't know what is, shall we say, the wise way. (laughs) Um, Any suggestions you have would be greatly appreciated. 
I didn't. He I didn't hear the the last part of what you said. The very last part. Um, before the last sentence about not pushing it or well, yeah. So it's along the lines of you know you you feel a certain whisper, the tendrils of fear, and you know, and I let's say I identify it at level three, and I don't want to have it escalated up to level ten to do full catastrophe, right? So I look to my next behaviors to try to distract myself away from it and I get frantic about looking for the distractions so that and then it, and but yet it's a, it's another fear <laughs> and so, I, so. then I get confused and but yet I've been told that you know try to stay with level three you know hold it and and yet I I'm fearful of holding it because it may go up to level 10, and, and yet I'm looking to distract myself. I, I'm sorry I'm sounding so confused, so, but that's so, because I am. So what I hear when you're talking is that you're, there's like fear of fear, and then fear of yes. fearing fear, and yes. it's just getting bigger and bigger yes. with that. And, um, you know, maybe taking a breath and just being... Um, Right, just being present with the very moment um, could be helpful. Well, then let me, then when you take the, the breath and then you try to come back to the breath each time, you know. So the other thing that, that I hear you're talking about, hear you saying is that you're, you have sort of an agenda of what you, how to how to be with all of these different feelings that are going to be helpful to you in your mind to you of of you know levels and I'm starting. I'm just trying I'm just trying to figure out what to do because right. of the right. fear of the, again fear that yeah. the fear would escalate up from you right. know let's say level three to level ten that's yeah. what I mean yes. Gina has a suggestion. Okay, that'd be great. I always have a suggestion. <laughs> so, do you know what the Buddha offered as a as an antidote to fear? You don't. Okay. Caroline was your name. Yes. He offered a a practice called metta, M-E-T-T-A, metta, which is a Pali word. Um, in, in Sanskrit, it's Maitri, and in, in Pali, it's Metta, and in, in English, it's translated sometimes as loving-kindness, sometimes as um, loving-friendliness, sometimes as friendship. So, it's, it's a, I'll just tell you the quick story of how it came to be in the, in the in the teachings, he his monks were going out into the. He sent them out into the forest, and, you know, and and in those days it was really a scary place: tigers, lions, and tree spirits. And the tree spirits were not at all happy that the monks were coming and invading their place at night to do the to do their meditation practice. And so they got very scary. And the monks ran out of the forest and said to the Buddha, "We can't practice there." And he said, "Yes, you can." 
And the way you can practice is by practicing loving kindness. And he gave them loving kindness practice, which is not the loving. Have you done loving kindness practice, um, Caroline? I've I've been I've been um, you've been around. I've it. been trying it. Yes. Okay. So so it's usually the way we practice loving kindness, or often is uh, with phrases: "May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be at ease, etc." But the Buddha didn't really teach it that way. It, that became a way of developing and cultivating loving kindness introduced by a monk called Buddha Gosa about a thousand years after the Buddha. The Buddha, the way the Buddha taught it really was he he instructed that we embody loving kindness. And that in that embodiment of loving kindness, we radiate it in all directions of the world. So the eight directions, north, northeast, south, southeast, southwest, northwest, etc., above and below. So, so we can do it, Buddha Gosa's way is also quite efficacious. He, it's you know, this way of uh, wishing a, a, a progression of people while starting with ourselves, then going to a benefactor, then going to a friend, then going to a... Um, another friend and then going to a neutral person and then to what's called quote the enemy in the teachings which we sometimes call our difficult person to make it not seem so extreme but I like enemy (laughs) (laughs) or or we can actually feel in our own being what it would be like to meet the world with that sense of kindness, of care, of genuine friendship and friendliness, and to do so in in equality with all beings. And in the sutta where it talks about the Buddha speaking the words of loving kindness, he spoke, he said, omitting none, meaning that this attitude of friendliness and friendship comes, we send to all beings. I like Buddha Gosa's way of teaching it in his, in his tome. He did a text called the Vasudhimaga, the Path of Purification, in which he says, first reflect on the disadvantages of hatred and the benefits of patience. Not love, but patience. So we have, so we have, I I love to combine these two teachings because we're given a reflection first by Buddha Gosa, and that reflection is, huh, whenever I've hated, whenever I've disliked, whenever I've pushed away, felt aversive, that brings up fear. And you, in your reflection, you may see other things that happen when you feel aversive towards something. And then when you, when you reflect on the benefits of kindness and friendship, it kind of brings a smile to my face, right? I, because I sometimes, as I was saying about generosity before, I sometimes imagine a, imagine a world 
just imagine it. Close your eyes for a moment and just imagine a world in which we all approached everybody else with friendliness. So what that would mean is not only that we're approaching everyone with friendliness, but we're offering them a huge gift, which is that they need not fear us. They need not have fear. Because there is nothing to fear in a world where there is just friendliness. Friendship. Care. Kindness. So I'm blown away by the wisdom of the Buddha in offering that as a way of practicing with fear to his monks. And of course, as these stories always go, as the legend goes, they then went back into the forest and they happily did their meditations with their, with their metta. So what would it be like for you when fear arises, and we, oh, is there anybody here who doesn't know what fear is? Okay, so we're, we're joined in that too, together, right? So is there, so can you imagine what it would be like when fear arises in whatever form, whether it's a tangible form or an intangible form or a fear that is a result of something in the past or something quite present now that the first response is first to feel the fear and as Lanny was really wisely saying not fearing it but understanding it, knowing it and then approaching it with some gentleness, some kindness, some friendship, some friendliness, some care. You may even put your hand on your heart. Feel it, because sometimes when you actually touch your body, there is a grounding that happens. And a kind of wish in that moment. May I not feel fear. Or may I know fear so deeply that kindness grows. Because if you know fear deeply, then kindness can grow in you for all of the other human beings with whom you share this planet. Because there is fear in each of us. Right? So your, you, so your fear need not be the thing that engulfs you or becomes so large that it becomes a ten, right? But at the three, befriending it. Oh, fear, my old friend, here you are again. What shall I do with you? and have some compassion for it and have some um, space yeah, space, Lanny just said, space 
So can you give it some space and some, rather than distracting yourself because it's not making it go away, I promise you, right? Can you just be there? And, but you don't have to swallow it whole. You don't have to like take in all of the fear that you feel, but just a little taste of it. It's like, and be curious, as we were saying with Uche, can you be curious about what is fear? So fear is a word, right? And I bet if we started asking everybody in the room, what do you think fear is, you'd get all kinds of different definitions, right? So, so fear is a word, but actually, it's not fear that you're feeling. It's certain sensations in your body. It's certain thoughts in the mind that you're having. And, um, and, and emotions that are coming up in the heart. So there's a whole uh, constellation of thoughts and words and feelings and sensations that you're calling fear. And what would happen if you really unpacked it? But if you really unpacked it with some friendliness, not with, oh, hit that, go away. What do you think? Sound like a plan? Yes, it very much does sound like a great plan. Thank you. Thank you so much. And maybe you can come back and report. <laughs> That'd be good. I, you know, because sometimes we give advice, right? And then we never hear from the person again. And it's, it's kind of nice sometimes to kind of hear, oh, remember when I had this conversation about fear? Well, you know, it's cool. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Thank you. Or didn't work. Because, you know, we, we sometimes think our practice needs to work quotes, but it's not about it working really. It's, it's about approaching it in a way that is not habitual, but kind of switches things so that we begin to have a little space, as Lanny was saying, and seeing it in a different way. Yeah, I was just going to say too that, um, first of all, thank you so much, Gina, that you know, this another another way that the space can be used is to just hold hold everything. That you have that you can do that. You can hold everything, and certainly this loving kindness will help a lot in doing that. So to have believe in yourself in that way. And one more thing, and then we're going to move on. When when you're feeling fear. It's not the only thing happening in your life at that moment. It feels like it's the only thing that's going on. But I bet there's some part of your body that is not involved in that fear. Find it. And once you find it, keep going back to it every time you feel fear. So it could be in your feet, mm. it could be in your hands, it could be your eyes, it could be you know, your left knee, it could be anywhere, mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. There's a place in your body mm -hmm. that will feel safe. Okay. Okay. And it can ground you. Okay. Thank you. Go for it, Caroline. <laughs> I will we're try. All, we're all, you know, we're all with you. Yes, there's someone else. Well, there was someone there. 
first. Hi, my name Hi. is Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi. Um, I uh, mostly meditate in the morning, uh, but I find it very difficult because I personally feel restless in the morning. Um, I find it easier to meditate uh, later in the day, mm-hmm. after I've felt like I, I accomplished something in the day. And um, the That's fact... an interesting concept. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And the, the fact that I feel restless uh, meditating in the morning, part of me is like, well, I should meditate in the morning for that very reason. But um, but I find oh, it... Oh, contrarian. <laughs> but I, so I guess my question is, um, I've been meditating for about two years. I'm still relatively new to this. But should I continue to meditate when I feel more at ease so that I get more out of the uh, experience of meditating? Or should I meditate when I feel less at ease, even if uh, I experience more hindrances uh, and find it a lot harder to uh, have a stable mind? Maybe I should experiment. Huh? What? Experiment. I don't know. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Jazz. Improvise. Jazz is a beautiful thing. And actually, it reminds me of that story um, of, I think it was Ajahn Sumedho. No, it was Ajahn Chah, my teacher's teacher who um, had a monastery in the northeast part of Thailand. And, uh, you know, he kept the monks really busy. They were doing all all kinds of all manner of things. And somebody said, uh, you know, I come to the monastery and I don't see a lot of meditation going on around here, right? And... Uh, you know, and you're all chatting, and you're working, and you're doing this, and you're doing this. It's supposed to be a meditation monastery. What on earth are you doing? How, how many hours a day do you meditate? And Ajahn Chah said, 24. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that story, because it's true. So the formal meditation, and, you know, one of the, there are four clear comprehensions, but one, you know, the main one is, clear comprehension of the domain of meditation. And the domain of meditation is 24 hours, right? That there is nothing that you are doing that is not capable of being meditation. So you're talking about formal meditation and when you should do it, and that's up to you, right? That's up to what your day is like and what your proclivities are and how, you know, what kind of a personality you have in terms of time and all of that. But at the same time, the medi- this is not the point. It really isn't. What we've been talking about is the point, is how you integrate the stillness and the depth and the insight that comes from a consistent and constant practice, how that gets integrated into every moment of your life. So that the kindness that we're talking about 
is not some foreign thing that we're going to like go out and find and plop on our head so that we become kind people. But because with the ability to make the mind, the heart, and the body still, a depth of seeing begins to happen. So that the profundity happens not because we become perfect meditators, but because in every moment of life when there is some crisis in our life or fear in our life or we notice that we're doing too much efforting, the wisdom bubbles up because there's stillness, there's insight, there's depth, there's profundity. Or when we're dealing with our child who's upset about something, or our spouse who wants to leave us, or the death of a dear one, that's when the rubber hits the road. That's meditation. So our consistent and constant practice is what prepares us for that, and it'll come. We don't have to hurry it, we don't have to go out and look for it, it's going to come. So we we learn to know ourselves enough to know, okay, so in the morning, it doesn't do me much good to meditate because I'm all over the place and I, you know, I'm thinking about what I have to do for the day and I'm blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to wait till the evening and that's a beautiful time to meditate because then your body and mind become somewhat still as you enter what we call poor man's nibbana, sleep. Thank you. Anything you have to say more? Anything to add? Um, I just, I was just noticing that you, you mentioned how you, um, you were, should you wait until you're, you know, you're more feeling this kind of peacefulness or you, the, or you were, um, or the alternative was should you uh, be with the hindrances or when they were arising. And um, I just noticed that and, and um, in terms of what Gina, Gina sort of expanded uh, what I was kind of reflecting on to that, you know, it's all this continuous exploration and and then um, just to add that um, sometimes I think we have a tendency to avoid these more you know the think the hindrances there's something bad or wrong about that time and we should find that peaceful time to meditate when everything's perfect and keep looking for that you know kind of like good luck to all of us right that's all thank you sure Why don't you come up and ask it when we're when we've done, so that we can release who needs to be released? Do you want to do the dedication, Lanny? Sure. So may the merit of our practice tonight be for the benefit of all beings, all beings without exception. May all beings everywhere know the power of loving kindness 
no peace, know what it's like to be fully present with ourselves and with each other, know the connection that we all are part of, and know true freedom and happiness. Thank you so much for your excellent questions and your beautiful attention and your wonderful practice. Have a great week and be safe. Good night. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.